Hello and welcome to the latest podcast for The Lancet Respiratory Medicine. I'm Richard Lane and this month we're going to be discussing the follow-up results to this SNAP trial which concerns the use of nicotine replacement therapy in pregnant smokers. I'm delighted to be joined by one of the authors of the study being published in TLRM and that is Dr. Sue Cooper. Sue, come in, you're at the University of Nottingham, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yes, I work in the um, Division of Primary Care here. Excellent. What is your full title and affiliation, just so we've got that? Okay, well, I'm a Senior Research Fellow and also I was also the uh, SNAP trial manager during the SNAP trial. Great. Well, as I said in my intro just then, this, we are publishing in the Lancet Respiratory Medicine, I think, some very interesting follow-up findings to the original SNAP trial. So give us some context here. Tell us about the original SNAP trial and, and what led to this follow-up study. I'll go right back to the beginning, really, as to why we planned the SNAP trial in the first place. Um, so obviously smoking during pregnancy is a public health issue. Um, it's associated with more miscarriages, stillbirth, uh, babies born are more likely to have low birth weight or premature, were born prematurely. Um, the children born to pregnant smokers are more likely to have other problems such as asthma and behavioural problems. And so although rates of smoking have reduced in the UK, they're still around 12 or 13% of women who report that they smoke at delivery. And on top of that, um, women who are sort of younger or in more routine or manual occupations are much more likely to smoke than older women or those in professional roles. So there's still a lot of social inequalities surrounding um, smoking in pregnancy. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, Sue. But yeah, you said okay. 12% of women say that they smoke at delivery. Is that 12% yeah. of of women who smoke no of pregnant women 12 percent of pregnant women 12 to 13 percent of pregnant women um report that they smoke at sure delivery. gosh that is yeah. interesting that's much higher than yeah. i would have thought in, sorry yeah. do carry on do carry no, on that's okay and i mean rates are falling here but in middle and low-income countries they're still rising as well so it's not a problem that's going away anytime soon so we do need to find um, effective ways to help women stop smoking when they're pregnant and as you can imagine, it's a very motivational time for them to stop, but uh, there are many barriers to them stopping smoking. We know that behavioural support is effective, and stop smoking services in, in, in the UK do offer um, this to women. They also tend to offer women nicotine replacement therapy to help them stop, and that's the only drug treatment um, for cessation that can be prescribed to pregnant women. In spite of it um, being able to be prescribed, there's actually very little evidence that it's safe or effective. I mean, the consensus is that it's probably safer than smoking as it's only got nicotine and not all the other toxins cigarette smoke. And although it's effective outside pregnancy, there's reasons to believe it might not be as effective during pregnancy because, for example, nicotine metabolism is much faster in pregnancy. And so it might be that the standard doses aren't sufficient to relieve withdrawal symptoms. And so that was the background behind our original SNAP trial. Um, so what we did was conduct a large randomized placebo-controlled trial of nicotine replacement therapy in pregnant women. And we recruited 1,050 pregnant women who smoked. They were between 12 and 24 weeks gestation when we recruited them. They all had to agree to set a quick date and then they received behavioral support. And then they were underized to either receive nicotine patches or a placebo patch. And they had this for up to eight weeks. We then followed these women up at one month and when they'd had the babies. And what we were looking to do was to aim 
uh, to compare effectiveness and safety of the patches at delivery. And we actually published these findings in uh, 2012 in the New England Journal of Medicine. And at this point, we found no uh, significant effects of NRT on prolonged sensation delivery or on birth outcomes. There was an initial effect, wasn't there, with NRT? There was initial, <coughs> but it we wasn't did find sustained. initial effects at, at one month. Um, yeah, there was about twice as many women at one month had stopped smoking in the NRT group as the placebo group. But by the time we got to delivery, that effect had disappeared. I mean, there were still slightly more in the NRT group that just stopped smoking than the placebo group, but it wasn't a significant difference. There had been a few other small trials of NRT before this point, but none of them had followed up uh, the infants after delivery because there's some, you know, nicotine is potentially harmful to developing fetus. And so we thought it would be interesting to actually follow these children up to see um, how they developed after delivery and to see if, you know, there might be any impact beyond this. And so that basically that's what this paper is about. We followed the, the participants up until their infants were two years old. So we followed them up by a postal questionnaire when the babies were 6, 12 and 24 months old. And then also at um, two years old, when they were two years old, if we didn't manage to get a response from the women themselves, we sent a short version of the questionnaire to their GP as well. With all studies like this, there are strengths and weaknesses. I think you do touch on it on the paper. Do you want to just summarise both strengths and weaknesses of this study? Well, the main strengths we um, consider this was obviously it was a very large trial. It was well-designed and well-conducted, double-blind and placebo-controlled. As I already mentioned, it's the largest ever trial that has actually been um, carried out for nicotine replacement therapy, the only one that's looked at infant outcomes beyond delivery. It was a fairly pragmatic design. We had quite broad inclusion criteria and we also got very good follow-up rates in both groups. For example, at two years, we managed to get outcome data for almost 90% of the infants. The two groups were pretty well matched and um, also we managed to keep researchers and participants blind to treatment allocation during the follow-up period as well, which we felt was important. As far as weaknesses go, we acknowledge that it would have been more reliable to have face-to-face -face assessments of the children, but it would have been, you know, we just didn't have the resources to be able to do this. It would have been very um, resource-intensive to be able to do that. But the development questionnaire we did use was based on a, the ages and stages questionnaire, which is a validated development questionnaire. And we also tried to be cautious about how we classified infants, um, and if we weren't completely sure that they had uh, no impairment or definite impairment, then we sort of classified them as having suspected impairments. Clearly, you've got an interesting finding here, which I'll ask you just to elaborate on in a sec, but it's it's showing, isn't it, demonstrably, that, that women who, when they were pregnant, were given nicotine replacement therapy, although there was only a short-lived effect on their ability to quit smoking during pregnancy, there appears to be a benefit to the developmental processes of, of their infants. Yes, that's right. Yes, we found that um, those children from the mothers who are allocated NRT when they're pregnant were more likely to have survived without any uh, developmental impairments. So what we found was that um, women, children from women in the NRT group had an odds ratio of 1.4, meaning that they were about 40% more likely to have children without any development impairment than those in the placebo group. 
A surprising result, presumably. Were you surprised by this finding? Yes, we were surprised. As you've already said, you know, we had found no difference at delivery and overall the cessation rates were slow. We hadn't found any impacts of NRT on birth outcomes either so it, it wasn't what we were expecting but our findings were consistent when with all our pre-planned analyses looking at the uh, developmental outcomes so yeah it was a consistent finding. Obvious question, can you explain the finding? What are your thoughts? <laughs> why, why did you find this? Well there's a number of possible reasons. I suppose the most likely reason is that um, the dif there was a temporary difference in smoking cessation rates uh, one month after women joined the study, with twice as many women in the NLT group having stopped smoking at this point. Um, and as I already mentioned as well, there was a small difference between the groups that can carried on after that, even though that wasn't statistically significant. So, yeah, probably... The most likely explanation is due to these reduced smoking rates overall in the NRT group. Um, I mean, there are other possible explanations, such as a direct beneficial effect of nicotine, but we don't think that's very likely because that isn't what would be suggested from animal studies where it is uh, beta-toxic. So, you know, it's the first study of its kind in human beings, so that effect remains possible. And also, there's always the possibility that it might just be a chance finding as well. Going back to methodology again, how did you actually um, assess uh, smoking rates or exposure to secondhand smoke as well in the study? Okay, well, up to the delivery point, we did, anybody who reported that they were non-smokers, we validated this with carbon monoxide or salivary cotinine. But during the follow-up, we couldn't do this. We didn't have the resources to be able to get... Um, uh, biological validation. So we did this by self-report. So at each follow-up point, we asked them if they'd smoked since they'd had the baby, if they'd smoked in the last week, and if that, how often they'd smoked if they had smoked. Although we, so the actual prolonged quit rates might be lower than we did report, um, but because of the study design, it probably means that any bias in reporting of smoking is likely to be similar between the two groups. We didn't ask women how many cigarettes they'd smoked, um, so we don't have a cumulative measure of the number of cigarettes they smoked. I mean, this could have been useful, but we just felt that this would be even more prone to recall bias if we did ask that. And also, the number of cigarettes smoked isn't necessarily an accurate indication of how much nicotine or other toxins are exposed to, because that can be modified by other factors, such as how they actually smoke the cigarettes, you know, how deep they might inhale, that sort of thing. Where do you think we go from here? That's an interesting finding. It would be tempting to think we could be making um, some policy recommendations based on these findings. Do you think we're at that stage yet? I think at the moment we need to be a bit cautious about what this might mean for uh, clinical practice. It is the first trial that's assessed um, the impact of NRT in pregnancy on infant development. Um, I mean, we think we think we haven't even found any other smoking cessation interventions that have, have looked at infant outcomes beyond this, you know, beyond uh, delivery. So we do think that other trials still need to replicate these findings um, to confirm that they didn't occur by chance. I mean, we'd also like to be able to follow the children up when they're older as well to see if the effects continue. Um, but I mean, one positive thing about this is that currently with the doesn't seem to be any evidence that NRT isn't safe to use in pregnancy and that it might even be beneficial. Presumably based on the original study findings, it was thought that nicotine replacement therapy did not would not have a role in pregnancy, but now we're saying, yes, it probably has. It might well have a role. And, I mean, what 
we think is that it's important to continue to look for better ways to help women to stop smoking when they're pregnant. Um, and that maybe one obvious next step is because we haven't observed any harmful effects of using NRT um, and that because it doesn't seem to be very effective at standard doses in helping women to stop smoking, maybe because of the increased metabolism, as I mentioned before, that it's probably a good time now to maybe look at trials of higher doses of NRT to see if they would help um, be more beneficial in helping women to stop smoking. But I also think we need to understand a bit more about nicotine metabolism in pregnancy. Maybe we don't really know at the, at the moment what point that increases, how much it increases, and if that might be one reason why some women find it more difficult to stop smoking when they're pregnant. And the other thing is women are often very reluctant to adhere to treatments like NRT. And um, so another way that we can um, maybe improve the effectiveness of it is to find ways to help women to improve the adherence to NRT. Indeed. Well, very interesting finding. I think we're going to hear a bit more about this topic. It's been great talking to you. Dr. Sue Cooper on the line from the University of Nottingham in the UK. Many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet Respiratory Medicine. You're welcome. Thank you.